Hi, my name is Althea Alliere, and this is the Clean Your Room podcast. This is season one, episode 17, and I'm recording this on Monday, December 27, 2021 in Los Angeles, California. This episode is called Cleaning When You Can't Even. It has been a very busy year for me. When is it not? This past quarter has been almost overwhelming, not in a bad way, but just hectic. Like I only just have time to take care of the basics kind of way. This should explain the very, very long break between my last episode and this one you are listening to right now in the I can only handle basics paradigm. I could not get the podcast done and I just had to be okay with that. I won't lie. I'm a pretty extra person. If I have a project to work on that I like and I'm into it, I tend not to do things halfway. I go 200% or nothing. It's partly my nature and partly I'd say the way I was raised. Like if I were a dancer, which I'm so not a dancer, I'd be like, leave it all on the floor, which sounds terrible from a cleaning perspective. But when you're dancing or when you're acting, it means you're holding nothing back. There's a phrase in Tagalog or Filipino, which goes, bigay na bigay which roughly translates to giving it all that one has. It's a quirk that I love about the Filipino language, which is that when something is superlative or extra, we just say the thing twice. So bigay is give and bigay na bigay is like give squared. It's an exponential increase in giving. It's not even like giving it all that you got, more like giving it all you have and more until you burn yourself out. Um, Unfortunately, I do think... That the all that the phrase is talking about is your energy, your life force, your soul, and giving it all and more without replenishing yourself or resting is so exhausting. Uh, I know there are probably a lot of you out there who can identify with this feeling of tiredness, that depletion that comes with giving a little too much and not keeping a reserve of energy to hold you over until rest or recreation or relaxation can restore you. I definitely hit burnout a few times in the past few months and coming back from that takes a lot of time and awareness and self-care. When I'm getting tired just from day-to-day life, I start thinking of Um, I don't know if you've ever played the video game The Sims. If you have, then you know what I'm talking about. There is a little uh, user display that shows how how your Sim is doing in terms of needs and wants. It's kind of like their their life meter. Um, So it's like hunger, comfort, energy, and so forth. It's like eight different metrics or more, I think. Um, I haven't played in a while. <laughs> it, it always used to crack me up because um, one of those meters on the screen tells you how well or poorly you're, that tells you how well or poorly you were doing is bladder. And when you have used the toilet enough times, the toilet gets dirty. So your bladder meter might be green, but your hygiene meter and your environment meter might be yellow or red, depending on how bad you let it get. And that I think most of us, you know, if you, unless you have a maid or someone who does the cleaning for you, probably experienced this at some point in your life where you're just like, you need to go to the toilet, but you can't because you're so grossed out that the, the toilet hasn't been cleaned in a while. So before, before we go on, I just have one favor to ask, and that is if you listen to this podcast on Spotify, they have just rolled out a rating function on the page. Um, so if you look for this podcast, you can go rate it on Spotify. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you would take a minute out of your day to rate the podcast there. It would mean a lot to me for the discoverability of the show. 
So no small talk today, aside from me nerding out on The Sims. No life catch up, no plugs for things I'm reading or watching. We're just going to take a brief break for an ad. And as always, I hope you find the rest of this episode helpful. Okay, so what do I mean when I say you just can't even, whether it's your job or more than one job that you work or school or people that you're taking care of, most of us have a thing into which we are putting a lot of work. Some of us are getting up in the morning, a lot of the time before we feel like getting up, making ourselves presentable in some way, going off for nine hours or so to expend brain power, calories, emotional work, etc. And then coming home and then doing more work, for example, cooking a meal, running errands, doing chores, taking care of other people. Uh, The list of possibilities for most people does not match the amount of time and energy that we each have to be able to actually get those things done or done to a good enough or above average degree most of the time. Even if you don't have to leave the house to do your job, it's still usually something that depletes your resources, at the very least taking up your time so that when you finish, you feel like that's it, you can't do any more today. If we're lucky, some of us make enough that we can pay someone else to take on some of that work for us. For example, there are times when I'm so drained at the end of the day that I text my partner who is working from his office across the hall and tell him, I just can't tonight. What do you want to order for dinner? We, we do our best to stick to a budget, but some days it's like, look, if I'm going to spend an hour and a half cooking dinner after the day that I've just had, I'm going to have a mental breakdown. It's not going to be pretty. So back to the Sims, picture my Sim character with a red diamond floating over her head. It's actually called a plum bob, but okay, that's for nerds. So <laughs> if you're looking at the different meters that tell you why that diamond is red and how my life is going, which is not well. Um, By then, energy is almost completely out. Comfort meter is red. Hygiene meter is yellow. Uh, Hunger is in the red. Social and fun meters are yellow and turning red. At, At that point, my sim is probably intermittently sobbing as she is trying to make dinner or fix the toilet, clean the toilet so she can use it or is collapsing on the floor because she She just can't even. That's what I mean. Call it burnout. Call it fatigue. Call it languishing. Whatever it is, it's not pretty. happens to everybody. The trash can might be overflowing. The dishes might be unwashed. The litter box hasn't been scooped. I'll be honest with you. My partner does all of those chores and more, so I really shouldn't be complaining. But I am just talking about them as a sampling of possible things that might be occurring in your environment, which are contributing to and exacerbating that burnout feeling. Others of us might be dealing with even more than that, Uh, chronic illness, physical injury, uh, mental illness, just generally having a tough time, Uh, family drama. There are many, many reasons that people get behind on their chores, get buried in their stuff, and sometimes they just give up altogether because getting back to good or just okay is so daunting. It's just easier to let go and live with the mess that you have. First of all, I think we need to be kinder to ourselves and not call ourselves lazy or shiftless or useless. If we let our environment get out of control, whether what you are dealing with is overwork, overscheduling, disorganization, any kind of illness, or no reason even, berating, blaming, and putting yourself down is just going to make everything that extra bit harder and you don't have to do it. Um, I think some of the time these standards that we hold ourselves up to are other people's standards and 
those standards can be unreasonable for us to meet. Most of the time, people are just doing the best that they can, even me. Sometimes the best that they can do just lets the trash proliferate. Foods and Food ends up in places that they shouldn't be. Sometimes that lets pests and rodents into the equation. Organizational systems can break down and stuff piles up where it shouldn't live, which means you can't find things because they're buried under other stuff that's not supposed to be there. You might be late for things or arrive to places unprepared or forget events that might have been important for you not to miss because of that disorganization. I've been there and done that, and I'm not judging you if you've been through this or if you're going through that right now. It happens, and sometimes we just don't even talk about it. We figuratively and sometimes literally sweep these things under the rug. We show the cropped picture on social media that hides how bad things might have gotten. We put on a brave face. Um, We avoid asking for help because depending on how badly things might have gotten out of control, we might not want anybody else to see our mess. I'm not saying completely absolve yourself of any blame for your situation. I'm not saying make excuses to yourself or others for why things are falling apart. I'm just saying acknowledge that everything that came before right now brought you here to this moment take a deep breath and then figure out what is under your control and what isn't under your control make a plan for how to give yourself the rest or the resources that you need to move forward in a different hopefully better direction in the future if that's what you want I think when we're overwhelmed when we're out of gas or out of time it's hard to be creative or solve problems, and you might just be able to do the bare minimum, and that's okay. Then when you've gotten a little bit of a breather, a bit of rest, when your energy meter starts to go back up a little, and then you can see if you can channel some of that into bringing the rest of <laughs> the rest of your Sims meters back into the yellow, but in real life is what I'm talking about. Eventually bring everything back into the green zone. Second, don't fall into the comparison trap. There are so many places, especially online and social media, where you can get a peek into other people's lives and see their aesthetically pleasing decor and their hyper-organized pantries and their beautiful gardens and their perfectly folded and color-coordinated sock drawers and think, well, they're doing great and I'm doing awful because I don't do or have those things. I know I read a lot of apartment therapy And I follow a lot of lifestyle interiors, content creators on social media. And there is this fine, fine line between being inspired and getting intimidated by the success that other people are experiencing, which if you think about it, has nothing to do with myself and my worth. They're just off making their their content Um, and has nothing to do with me, but it can affect me negatively nonetheless if I let it. When I see those things, I always think to myself, wow, they have a lot of time on their hands, Uh, time and money and maybe resources that I don't have. Maybe that's untrue in some cases. I'm sure there are influencers out there who are just managing these things on a budget. Maybe that's their thing. Um, Maybe they're just being creative and using elbow grease to get these things done. I probably shouldn't assume that they all have wealthy spouses and no day job or (laughs) lucrative sponsorships or family money or a staff of 12 people with no mental health struggles. (laughs) The point is we just don't know. That seems unlikely. But what you can know is yourself. 
my mama likes to remind me that what one person can do, another can do. Like just keeping your mind open to the, that possibility can be hugely restorative uh, frame of thought. Taken too much, it might be toxic positivity if you take it too far. But if you can get to a middle ground with that idea, I think it can be really healthy to at least try instead of limiting yourself Instead of comparing yourself to others that you admire and then saying, oh, I could never, I can't even, I'm not that creative or I'm not that organized or whatever it is that you're comparing yourself to them by, give yourself a little credit. Instead, look at them as something that you can aspire to be. Like that, I think that's kind of why they're on social media is for the engagement and to inspire other people. Be inspired by them, but don't Beat yourself up if you can't meet the expectation that you think that they're creating. Because really, I think they could not care less. They don't know we're having this struggle. They're just doing their thing over there in their personal bubble and broadcasting it to millions of people around the world. We don't have to copy them exactly, but we can take what they have done as a blueprint, as a plan for something that we want and something to shape our environment into. Maybe something that elicits a similar admiration from other people that we know, this time for what we have instead of what we envy other people for. Third, I would prioritize things that need to get done. And I say need as in like need, like psychologically Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So if you're not familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, again, I'm also not like a psychologist or an educator, but... And so this is going to be like very badly summarized, probably. It's a theory that it was proposed by uh, a psychologist named Abraham Maslow, where there were five tiers of needs. And from bottom to top, they are physiological, safety, love and belonging is the third one, esteem. And then at the very, very top is self-actualization. So you can read much more about this theory online and in books, but put in the simplest terms, you cannot achieve the upper level of the pyramid of needs without first fulfilling the basic levels beneath it. Like you have to build the foundation first before you build the house. Like Sims in a video game, first you need food, water, warmth, rest. If you don't have those things, it's harder to get anything done, like be social or get a job or to create things. It's like that game is really based a lot on real life. It's a very interesting um, uh, game if you if you ever read about how it was created. So in life, like if you're feeling this way, like you can't even, maybe you just need to prioritize the cleaning tasks that you just have to get enough of them done to cover the basic physiological needs. And the second level, which is safety and security, but only after you have achieved those basics, can you start working your way higher up the hierarchy of needs to, you know, self-actualize your pretty um, put together Instagrammable view of what your home should be like. And so these basic tasks at the bottom are going to vary for everybody. Um, my partner and I were pretty good at taking out the trash and recycling. Um, he takes pretty good care of the litter box. So I don't even really consider those in my priority list because he has the system down for them. And we only take a few minutes each to get those things taken care of when, when we need to do them. 
Um, for myself, I like to have a clean and organized kitchen and uh, clean surfaces so that I can prep and store food. I need a clean soilet, toilet, sink, and shower that are clean enough that I can get my basic hygiene needs taken care of several times a day without being grossed out. Um, I need clean clothes that are appropriate for the weather that we're having. I need a comfortable bed so that I can sleep properly, especially because as I've gotten older, I have various aches and pains that they get worse when I don't get proper sleep or I don't have the right support for my back and neck. Um, so for me, that's my that's the shortest list that I can think of of cleaning tasks. Get the kitchen, bathroom, not even the whole bathroom clean, just literally the toilet and sink is good enough. Um, clean clothes and a comfortable bed. Right now, since we're working from home still, I have to add that uh, I, a couple of times a week, I need to clean the desk setup and it has to be like ergonomically friendly so that I don't hurt myself while doing trying to do my work. Next, I try to think of how much time and effort it actually takes to clean or maintain each of those minimum areas to the very lowest quality that it needs to be in order for me to just fulfill the two levels, the first two levels of hierarchy, which are the physiological needs, as in like, I'm not spending so much time cleaning that I don't also eat and drink. Um, or I'm, you know, uh, cleaning just enough so that, you know, that <laughs> the knives aren't lying around and no one's like accidentally knocking them off the counter and then stepping on them and hurting themselves and going to the emergency room during a pandemic. It's, it's just a bad scene. So uh, once I figure out um, how much time and effort it takes to get to that minimum, um, I have to make sure that I don't spend extra time and energy going above and beyond that because that going above and beyond when you're already drained is the thing that's going to lead to your burnout. If I think I have to go above and beyond to get the most lasting impact from cleaning any of those areas, kitchen, bathroom, for example, then I make sure I ask for help because just having a second pair of hands usually makes things go faster. Um, there's also, just to tangent a little bit, there's this attention deficit hyperactivity disorder strategy called body doubling, where people with ADHD find it easier to get tasks done just by having another person in close proximity. That person doesn't even have to be working with them or actively doing something to help that person clean or organize or whatever tasks they're previously struggling with. They just provide a centering, calming presence that allows the ADHD person to focus and get something accomplished. Now, I'm not a psychologist and I don't have ADHD. So most of the time, if I ask for help, I usually use my body double as a literal double extra pair of pants to do a task that I assign them. But I have also experienced the body double phenomenon, such as cleaning with some of my friends, where I might just need a person to be around or they need a person to be around. And we can be talking about completely unrelated things. And we just find that especially helpful trying to tackle a project that you don't particularly want to do. It makes it more fun. Um, it makes it more focused, I feel like. And you'll, I find that the times that we've done that will actually get to a stopping point um, with a project that we're then happy that we've made progress on that uh, task. Um, another strategy that I employ with prioritizing is to time or quantify the tasks so that I feel like there's a specific boundary around the time and effort that I'm putting in. Like 
making the bed, which I didn't used to do. I'd make the bed right before I got into it at night. I, it takes less than two minutes to do. I just drain the pillows. I flap the sheet. I flap the comforter. It's done. Like it's easy and doesn't take that much time, but I would avoid it thinking like, oh, it's, it's this extra um, task that is going to take so much time out of the limited time I I have to spend on these things. And it's just not true. I know in the past, I've also felt like laundry takes forever to do. There's probably a lot of people out there in the world that feel like this when really, if you look at laundry as a task, you take a few minutes to sort, you know, however it is that you're sorting by care or color, another few minutes to fill the washer, and then your hands off for almost an hour while the machine washes your laundry. All you have to do is set a timer and then go do something else or even do nothing. Just rest for the time that your washing is going through the cycle. And then another few minutes to move those items from washer to dryer. Most of the time, uh, that's assuming you don't air dry, which mostly I don't since we're in an apartment and we don't have the space for that. Um, we just take a few minutes to hang up the few items that can't be dried in the machine. Uh, then when the dryer is done, it's really only a few more minutes to fold and put away the remaining laundry. Again, assuming that you have enough of a system in place that you can put laundry away quickly. So if I add up all that hands-on time, it's probably less than an hour to do two loads of laundry. So that's excluding all of the time that the machine's just doing their thing. It's spread out over a couple of hours, so it seems a lot longer. When my husband does the laundry, which is most of the time, it takes him just a few minutes to sort everything. And whatever he doesn't put away for me takes me less than 10 minutes to fold or hang up after the fact. It's taken us a long time to get to this point where it's a very well-functioning system. So don't feel like I'm saying that you need to get your laundry done this fast. I'm just saying time the active parts of your laundry process, subtract out all the parts where you're just waiting for the machine to run and add up that time and start thinking of that as how long to, to, it takes to do, to, to do laundry Ooh. instead of the hours and hours per person that it seems to take um, in our minds. Um, in actuality, it's probably not that much time. For the fridge, for example, I will sometimes just pick a single shelf to organize or one drawer of the crisper or just the door. I reason that there are only a few items on each shelf, so I can be done in five to 10 minutes easily. A fridge deep clean is like an hour or more, but just one shelf or even half a shelf that's barely three or four repeats of whatever my latest favorite song is, then I can make sure to do one of these each day and over the whole week I can get the whole fridge clean. I would prefer to do it all at once and then not have to touch it for a month, ideally, but sometimes that's just not possible. And I have to adapt my cleaning strategy to whatever level of time and effort that I have available. So the bathroom, if you've been listening to this podcast since earlier this year, you know I have a love-hate relationship with cleaning the bathroom. When I say I can't even, there's some days I just really can't. And I'll leave my items all over the counter I have specks from flossing on the mirror, hair in the drain, there'll be a little pink ring around the inside of the toilet. There's hair and cat fur everywhere. It's so gross. So my bare minimum cleaning method for the bathroom goes like this. Spray and wipe the mirror, two minutes max. That's if I like really scrub, you know, and try to get every spot and every piece of lint off the mirror. Um, Put all the counter stuff away, usually about two minutes. Uh, Most of the things... Um, are either 
natural trash that I should have thrown away or they're stored somewhere in the bathroom. So they're within arm's reach. I get a sponge and scrub down the counter and sink with soap. Five minutes max. Again, that's like if I scrubbed every nook and cranny and didn't do just like a really quick Passover. Uh, take a paper towel or microfiber towel and wipe up all the moisture and stray hair from the counter and the toilet surface, like the outside surfaces of the toilet. Um, that takes about five minutes. I also put on some gloves and scrub or wipe down the, the toilet from top to bottom, including inside the bowl. Yeah, I actually don't use a brush anymore because I feel like with the heavy household gloves and a good scrub pad, I can actually get every nook and cranny of the toilet cleaner that way than using a brush. So five minutes tops, that's not including letting the gel sit inside the bowl, uh, the cleaning solution sit inside the bowl for about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, I pick up the drain hair and toss it. That's about 10 seconds. So total, and this is if I spend a lot of time doing each thing and not just like a quick pass or skim of everything, about 20 minutes to get the whole bathroom clean. And then I can take a shower during which I use a sponge and quickly clean the shower. And then I also feel clean. So when I look at it big picture, even when I do let things deteriorate, if I just spend about two hours total clearing the desk and other surfaces, spraying, wiping, washing, obvious things, I can get the bed, the desk, the fridge, and my bathroom in good enough shape to hold me over until I have a little more free time to do decluttering, reorganizing, or if I'm lucky to do something that's actually decorative and aesthetically pleasing, like rearranging my shelves. That two hours doesn't have to be all together, and I don't have to do it alone. Luckily, I can ask someone for help. And if it gets messy again, that's okay. That's just how entropy works. Just accept it's going to happen eventually. It's totally inevitable, just like the Sims meter is running from green to yellow to red. I, I don't really want to post pictures of my apartment on Instagram all the time, and that's okay. But once you've got that bare minimum clean done, then you can take time and replenish your energy and rest and hopefully store up a little more of them that you can put into cleaning solutions that will help reduce the time and effort you spend on cleaning in the future. It's hard to be creative in those solutions when you're so burnt out. So just get the bare minimum done. Now, if your situation is much more untenable, like with actual hoarder levels of clutter and cleanliness, this might not be terribly helpful for you. And I recognize that. I'm not a medical professional. I don't pretend to be one. I approach this advice from the perspective of someone with the tendency to hoard and also the tendency to burn out. I'm still working out really what advice would be helpful for that type of need. Uh, one thing that I've found helps me is that watching or listening to someone else clean for an extreme hoarder, if you can get over the occasional, okay, frequent grossness, that can be really motivating. There is, for example, a YouTuber uh, that I started following this year. She's also on TikTok and Instagram. Her name's Auri Katarina. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, that I, I've been following her because the transformations that she does for people are so amazing. Uh, the places that she works in are truly hoarded, like, I, I'm not judging here. They're just actually disgusting. And 
She she cleans for her followers, her social media followers for free, often for people who are struggling with depression, anxiety, and other issues. And some of the videos that she posts are truly, truly disgusting. So I do warn people before I send them over to her social media, since people have such a variable level of squeamishness. I can I can tolerate quite a lot. But some of what she shows, the dirt, mold, bugs, you might already be get, feeling the creepy crawlies just from me describing that. Um, it's gnarly. So if you want more insight into hoarding disorder, I highly recommend the show, the television show Hoarders. Again, especially if it's the earlier episodes that have a lot of animals and vermin in the place. If they're cleaning, they can be a bit much. So again, want to warn you about that. You know, if you want something more in between where people just have a little too much stuff and maybe have terrible systems in place, uh, bad habits for managing their household, I recommend instead watching Hot Mess House, which I believe is on Discovery Plus. And none of these things that I've just recommended and said are ads. No one has no one is sponsoring me to tell you about this content. These are purely suggestions of uh, shows and social media that I've enjoyed that are cleaning related and that have inspired me to clean even when I really wasn't feeling like I could. So whether you have just enough time and energy to tackle just one thing that will ease your need for hygiene and a comforting environment or whether you decide to rest up and get some friends over for pizza and a major deep clean of your place, I hope that some of these strategies will help you out. That's it for this week. If there's anything you would like to share with the rest of the audience on social media, please use the hashtag clean your own podcast challenge to share these on Instagram and TikTok. Again, you can follow me on both platforms at clean your own podcast. I'm also on Twitter as Fruit Juice. That's F-R-O-O-T-J-O-O-S. We also have a Facebook page if you'd like to discuss, ask questions, or share your cleaning challenges. You can find links to all of these channels from my social media profiles, Linktree, and cleanyourroompodcast.com. You can leave me an audio message or send me an email. You can find the links to how to send an audio message on cleanyourroompodcast.com. You can also email in to info at cleanyourroompodcast.com. Again, you'll find this and all the rest of the links I've mentioned on my website and social profiles. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so in a variety of ways. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. You can rate or review the show, including on Spotify now. You can make a monthly contribution through our Anchor.fm page, and you can even shop from our bookshop page, which also supports independent bookstores across the country with every purchase. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash clean your own podcast. Clean Your Room Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Althea Allure. Any original music you hear during the credits is called Bubble Guts, also composed by me. The podcast logo was illustrated by Ashlyn Anstey. You can find more about her artwork and writing at ashlyna.com. She also has a podcast with her partner, Grant Pardee, called Grashlyn Party, which you should definitely check out. She also has two new books out. Um, this season, a graphic novel called Shelby and Watts Tidepool Troubles and Little Narwhal Not Alone by Tiffany Stone. I know the holidays are over, but if you still need gift ideas, I think they would make great gifts. Um, yeah, this episode was sponsored by and produced on Anchor.fm. Thanks again for listening. This is Althea signing off and reminding you to rest and replenish first, and then you can clean your room.